welcome to the fifth episode of Spare Prats. So tonight, there's only three of us because one of the Prats is being a Prat. Oh. It's harsh. I think it's fair. Chris can't make it tonight, so we will do our best to only take the piss out of him a little. Just a bit. Just a bit. So tonight's story was The Annihilators. And this was Doug's choice, so here's the trailer. Did you notice anything odd about that policeman? No. Why? He seemed strangely blank. From Big Finish Production, Third Doctor Adventures, The Annihilators. There's no way out. We're trapped. What happened with the TARDIS? There was an odd surge of, well... Of what? Gravity. Gravity? Oh, my giddy aunt. What's that? I'm hallucinating. I must be. They say that talking to yourself is the first sign of madness. What? But still, let's hope you appreciate the gravity. Jamie, it's so good to see you. You too. Oh, we better um, keep our voices down. Big finish for the love of stories. So, Doug, this was your choice. What was your thoughts on it? Did you enjoy your first adventure in The Third Doctor? Well, it wasn't quite the first venture, was it? Because he was in Masterful, played by John Colshaw. And I think, I don't know if it made the finished edit of the episode we did on that, but I didn't think John Colshaw did as good a job as you might expect from him, of John Pertwee. Although he was doing John Pertwee being imitated by Chameleon, so you could, you know, that could be a reason. But then a robot should be doing a perfect imitation, you would think. <laughs> anyway, that's all by the by. I thought this was cracking. I listened to it for the first time all the way through, not not taking notes, not doing anything other than just taking in the story. And I thought the best way to do it is a sunny day out in the garden, loads of weeding to do, seven episodes, seven episodes, but 20-odd minute episodes. So, you know, tied in nicely with season seven, which was the first season with Pertwee 1970. Little Dougie, four and a third years old, saw Spearhead from Space, the first thing he remembers, and there were... One four episode story, which was Spearhead from Space, and then I think it was three seven episode stories in that season. And so, this seven episode audio drama fitted nicely with the season it's fitted in because the only season that Liz Shaw appears in is that season. So, that was good. Sound effects absolutely top notch, fitted in really well. The music, likewise, and the Brigadier, played by John Colshaw, spot on 10 out of 10. John Pertwee, I would give probably a nine, nine and a half out of 10 because he was. He wasn't, unlike the Brigadier, who you could have been Nicholas Courtney doing himself, Pertwee, it was recognisably Pertwee, and it, it was recognisably the same Pertwee all the way through, but it obviously wasn't John Pertwee, so, but, you know, as a, and it wasn't really an impersonation, it was a, a performance, I guess you would call it, rather than an impersonation. So that was spot on, didn't detract, you know, once I got around the fact that obviously it wasn't John, it was a slightly different voice, the way he said everything and the way he spoke and all of that was just, just great. That was great. Liz Shaw, now Liz, because she only appeared in those four stories when I was tiny at the time, they're not the Pertwee year of stories I've gone back and watched over the years. So I'm not 100% familiar with Liz Shaw as a you know, voice of the character, John's voice, as I would be with Joe Grant, say, or Sarah Jane Smith, who I'd seen over years when I was you know a bit older and saw more episodes and, and over a longer time. And those are the episodes I'd go back to watch rather than the Liz Shaw story. But I think Daphne, who's a daughter, did a pretty spot-on job as well. I would like to rate that because I, I, you know, I'm not that familiar with Liz. Also, character-wise, there were um, a second Doctor, but who wasn't played by the second Doctor. He was played by the second Doctor's second son. I don't know, second family's son. I'm not exactly sure what the, the details. But anyway, that was Michael Troughton. And 
I would say of all of them, he was the one that sounded in places least like the original actor Ali's father. But if you listen to the interviews, uh, the extras uh, the interviews, he says he wasn't he wasn't trying to do his father, play his father. He was trying to instill a bit of himself in it. So so that's fair enough. But there were just little bits now and again that it sounded a bit more, more like Michael than his father. I think he was still very recognisable as a second Doctor. Though. Oh, yeah. I'm not saying he wasn't. I mean, I would give it maybe an eight, say, for, for him, just because there were some bits where he did sound slightly different. But, uh, but you know, didn't detract from the story when I listened to it as a, a one-off, straight through seven episodes play. And the music cues and everything. Very 1970 era Doctor Who. It just sounded like it could have been a TV episode. And I'm not sure how well it would watch the TV episode. And I don't think the aliens were particularly well described as in what they looked like. Green and slimy were one, and the others were just played by humans. Or I, guess, I guess in some ways that's kind of in keeping with that 70s Doctor Who, where they would have kept it quite vague because they wouldn't have known how much bubble wrap was available to do the <laughs> alien of the week. The one thing I will also say, just from what you said there, is how incredible it is that Fraser Hines still sounds almost exactly the same. Yeah, well, yeah, so he does sound a bit older, and that's addressed in the story, as in he's recognised as being physically older by the Brigadier. And obviously he's a lot older than he was as Jamie. I don't know what he was. He was in his 20s, I guess, when he was playing Jamie, and now he's in his 70s. So playing himself, you know, a quarter of his age is obviously a bit more work than playing you half your age. And, but oh, yeah, he's definitely, he didn't sound that much different to, to younger Jamie. Um, he, I guess recognisably was, and hence that's why. Well, I guess I'm not sure what is, it's obviously leading into the second Doctor series and, and whatever it is that I would imagine the Time Lords have got them trying to right whatever wrong it is. Um, it's it's kind of the legendary season 6B, which is the... The thing that has been, I think some people have said it's a, it's a bit of a thing for a long time where for some reason the Time Lords use the Doctor to go off and do things and it explains how there can be the five Doctors and it explains how there can be the two Doctors because none of them kind of fit into the timelines. Yeah. So it's it's a little bit like that. And Big Finish have only just put out the first of the second Doctor stories, which I re- also very much enjoyed. Um, that was only out about a month, maybe six weeks ago as we record this. So, but they still haven't explained Jamie yet. Jamie's not in that series yet, so we don't know how he comes back. We know he does, because obviously he's in this. So this isn't a prequel of that series, and it's partway through that series by the sound of it. Yes. But it's obviously a prequel in as much as the second Doctor appears in this story before the, the next, his series starts. Yeah, I guess it's a bit of a teaser, and maybe they wanted to bring him out into an established series before that he did his own one and maybe also an established series that is led by someone who wasn't an original doctor because there are some people who refuse to listen to things that aren't the original actors which i can kind of get but it doesn't bother me as long as they're as they're good so joe so you you're 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 a bit new to the third doctor so you you won't know i didn't really have anything to compare to so um i went along with that no problem i actually i really like the brigadier because i think i've heard a few maybe at least one other brigadier on these audios is that correct i think i have you um, would have heard the actual brigadier yes properly because you've listened to as we discussed in the previous episode lanyon moore yes lanyon moore spectre of lanyon moore so so he was he was a bit older in in that or he sounded a bit older as he might be in 
the the ones I've listened to before. And then this one, he did he sounded younger. That was the only difference. He still felt very brigadier-y to me. I did like there was a bit where he said she set some sort of hex on me, but it actually reminded me of Armstrong and Miller when they do that World War II sketch where they're like, oh yeah, you've you've invaded my human rights in it, <laughs> that type of thing. So it, it was quite amusing. I'm not sure it was meant to be amusing, but it definitely amused me. And yeah, I actually find the sound, the sound treatment and the quality in the music really, really good. And it was, it just seemed to sit much nicer than perhaps some of the other ones that I've listened to. And it could be because of speaker quality, but also I think it was about timing as well and choice of the particular sound effects they were using. It just was really, really smartly done. Yeah, and those sound effects really do, I'm not sure if they're the same sound effects that have been recreated, but they, they really do fit in with that era of Doctor Who that, you know, I couldn't tell if they were the originals or not, but I'm assuming they probably were. I think they probably would have re- redone them. But yeah, I I listened to it when it first came out and then I re-listened to it, which was about six or seven months ago. I had very little, weirdly, I had very little memory of it when I came to re-listen to it. So I must have been doing something first time I listened to it <laughs> to not take it all in. And I, yeah, I was, I've really enjoyed these Third Doctor audios. Some people don't get on with Tim Trelore as a Third Doctor. I think you were spot on, Doug. I always have thought the thing about Tim Trelore is he's not playing John Pertwee. He is playing the role as the third doctor. So he doesn't have to sound exactly the same all the time because he is an actor and he is acting the role. And I think he's considerably better for it. I think it doesn't come across as someone doing an impersonation because of that. It feels a lot more natural. Yes, I think I've I've only heard, I've tried to remember when I've heard him doing the third doctor before. And I think it must have been in trailers on some of the Big Finish podcasts I listened to probably several years ago now. And it's hard to remember what I actually heard, but it was probably just clips of the you know the next story that was due to come out. So that might have been an early story that he, he was doing this morning. I don't know if he's improved a lot or a little since then or changed at all. But I think I think he's definitely got more comfortable in the role. And you know, I think maybe you could say he's got better. I think it's always been good though. I think they've always been good sets of stories. But I think I think, you know, when he works with Katie Manning, it's obviously great because he's working with Katie Manning. I think when he works with Daisy Ashford, it's great. I think I quite enjoy Sadie Miller now, but it took me more time to get used to Sarah Jane than it took me to get used to anyone else. And sometimes, I I think she always gives a great performance, Sadie Miller, but sometimes she really sounds like her mum and sometimes not quite so much. So I think it does depend. But I just think there've been high quality stories that all of them have evoked that time period there's a there's another quite strong one where joe grant and the doctor end up on draconia where and i've always enjoyed the draconians it's a, they're, they're great great baddies or goodies dependent on i guess the, the way they do them but it, it felt like some really you know just really good stories i've always thought john culshaw adds something to it as a brigadier i think he makes a really good brigadier he, he changes his voice as well as to whether he's playing an older version of the brigadier or a younger version so when he's playing the the sort of 70s one he's a much younger one but if he's playing the one that we saw in the 80s or or even later he's just a little bit older plays oh, a nice. little bit older it's cleverly done but i i really enjoyed it i thought it felt it felt really good and yeah i think it felt very 70s as well i think the music and but even down to the way they did the voices of the aliens which felt a little bit hitchhiker's guys mm. a little bit kind of b70s but actually it added to it well it's cheap 70s isn't it? it was 1970 they were recreating or 69 would be when they were making these things i guess because it was start of 70 was when they transmitted them so 
they would have been making them in the summer of 69 to into 70. Sometimes you just need something simple. I don't think, like I think there's a temptation where we've got all the gadgets to hand that we can just do any amount of crazy with the sound effects, but sometimes just a simple modulator, a simple filter will do the job. And it certainly did. I think it was really excellently done. It's obviously the sign of a good sound engineer when you know, or a good sound designer, when you know when to pair back and, and make it feel authentic rather than been super realistic yeah. and i think that's it i think this felt really authentic yeah it was it was certainly i mean I, yeah it ticked all my boxes i had a big smile on my face almost all the way through it in the garden and it's nick briggs wrote it as well the voice of the cybermen and daleks he did the music i think as well didn't he yep he did that as well this one was obviously written by someone who really understood and loved that era yeah and i think yeah. it showed he captured it really well he captured the well just just how all the the other stories in that era the sort of way they they work with the, the unit being involved and uh, they had glattles and, you know, they can get a bit tedious, I guess, but not just audio only because it's just a bunch of shooting. <laughs> but, uh, you know, they were they were kept long enough to show that there's a decent battle going on and you'd cut back and forwards, but it was short enough so you didn't get bored with just lots of shooting. And, you know, they, I think I think what particularly helped was the fact that they kept to the TV episode length because I think a lot of the stories we watched I've not really compared the times of them all, but I think some of them are like 35, 40 minutes long as an episode, and you still got four episodes. So you've got almost two whole CDs worth of, of audio with just four episodes when, I mean, this, this total length of this story is probably not that much longer than the other ones. And I think just breaking up that little bit more often helps. Helps you feel that it's not taking so long to, to go by and you're not trying to process all the stuff that's happening one after the other. You get a little bit of a recap if you want to stop. And I think the recaps were fairly short. I think the first one was quite long. It was 23 seconds, was it? I did write down how long it was, didn't I? Now, Doug, that is proper geekery. Well, that, like, if they're not going to be this long, that's like you know, quite a lot of percentage. <laughs> that's a lot of recapping. <laughs> well, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Doug's, Doug's going to be sending these harshly worded <laughs> emails to me. Three, I bought your three seconds. That's just repetition. <laughs> Two minutes, 30 seconds of recap. <laughs> 10 or 15 seconds. Yes. <laughs> They, well, they, they, I think they, they have to give you a little bit, don't they? they I mean, they're, they're doing cliffhangers when they're doing reprieve, like they did in the episodes. And, uh, you know, some of the episode ones, some of the re- recaps were several minutes long on the telly series if they were running short mm. of um, footage to, to fill out the episode. And some, I mean, some of the telly episodes were barely 20 minutes long in some cases, you know, usually 23, 24, 25 minutes. But, you know, the thin plot, there was a lot, to, a lot of padding in there sometimes. I think it did help to have the the sort of recaps after or the sort of shorter episodes because I think it meant that it barreled along a lot more mm. because you you had to get from one sort of major crisis to the next in order to have your cliffhanger. Yeah, yeah, and there was a lot of back and forth because there was a lot splitting up. The Doctor was separate to Liz. Jamie was separate to the other Doctor, the second Doctor. The Brigadier was in different parts at the different times as well. There were good lead women roles, you know, strong female roles. Three, three strong females: the the DCI slash alien, the girlfriend of the policeman Al, and Liz herself, of course, um, was the you know being an equal to the Doctor, you know, and she got a lot of good lines about the science side, showing her scientific background yeah i think it was just it's fitted in really well it, it, it gave people all a good chance to to show up their, their talents with these being 25 minute long episodes and joe you're more used to your doctor who in 45 minute mm. slices how did you did you get on okay with it i i'm okay because i'm usually listening to it all in one go just from a time point of view it doesn't really matter to me for 
what the length is, but I do quite like the 25 minute rhythm. And now that I know they do recaps, because when I first started listening to these, I didn't realize that that was a thing. So I was really worried that I'd I'd got the order wrong on my listening, which meant <laughs> I didn't know who was doing what or where. I did. I do find the recaps actually are quite useful, even if the, the first one was a somewhat lengthy 23 seconds. It did get me. It didn't worry me too much. So I'm like, oh, no, this is a recap. That's fine. So, yeah, I quite like the length. And I certainly went with audio. You're, you're working slightly harder to imagine what's going on. So I think that that little reprieve's... It's really helpful. Yeah, I can get what you mean because I think when I listened to it this time and they did that sort of reprise that lasted just that little bit longer, I was like, I was the same as you. I was like, is there something wrong with the way this has been done? And then I realized it was just them going back a lot further than I would have expected. But yeah, I I think it it works really nicely. I kind of love the cliffhanger. It's one thing I miss about you is not having a cliffhanger because even when Doctor Who did terrible cliffhangers and they did a few crackingly bad cliffhangers, including the one where there was a literal cliff that McCoy was hanging off of <laughs> nice. that was done purely for the joke. And then he just climbed right back up again. It was so cheap. It's like, he'd hang it off. <laughs> and then next episode, oh, I'll just climb back up using my umbrella. Fantastic. I like the reprieves. And it also reminds me that I'm on a particular story as well, because when I was going through my big marathon early big finish listening I was walking along and listening to one story and then got really very confused as to what was happening and thought oh no I've really I've really not got this how can I how can I not be smart enough to follow this story and what had happened was that my Spotify listening device decided to shake things up a little so I was listening I was listening to a completely different story for about 20 minutes before I thought, I think there's been some a mistake here. But I'm very accepting. I just was like, oh, we're in a jungle now. Where did the jungle come from? I did the same thing. We'll listen to the Tom Baker ones. I wonder what on earth was going on. I think they're very mindful of the listener in and in the design of these now, regardless of the time, actually. I think they, they are quite mindful of the People are doing that little extra bit of work when they're visualizing and it's good to recap. So so to recap, yes, I think it's an excellent. We'd listen again. They've done really well with the third doctor and how they've utilized him. There's a really nice box set where which yet Joe, I imagine, would very much like, which is Third Doctor and River Song and Oh yes. Yes, yes. Um, yes. Liz Shaw. So it's it's basically the doctor going off somewhere and River Song turning up in unit and going, ah, the doctor has told me to come around and help. And her massively flirting with Liv Shaw and things like that. Just a even, really fun. Even better. So just because I haven't actually listened to the River Song episodes, when she meets these other doctors, is the is it still that relationship? Or it's particularly I'm, I'm, it's like the first doctor, I'm kinda not not so sure how how that goes in my head. But usually she pretends she doesn't know them. Oh, okay. So they usually either they don't meet or they're both of the episode and they don't meet or something happened and they lose a memory or... I see. Because obviously the doctor doesn't know her when he meets her yeah. in the library. So they have to keep... So they go, they I mean, keep I think with some, that. I think to a, yeah, I think to a point they've kind of almost just given up on that now. Okay. And it is so much fun to see her interacting with other doctors. Yeah, definitely. Well, she's just uh, a goddess, Tom, really, isn't she? She's fab. I love that there's a Tom Baker one with, with her her and Tom Baker. And it's, it's very, very much. Oh, my God. That would one. be brilliant. 
Yeah, um, I need to. I need to. Once when I've got my PhD finished, Stuart, I will be able to dedicate swathes of my time to listening <laughs> to all these things. But I'm having to just, you know, just what just this little bit longer. Need, what you need to do is get the kids into them, and then you've got an excuse to have them on the car. Have you got the children into Doctor Who yet? Little bit. They've watched one or two of the early Rose episodes. I thought I'd start with that and just see. But, you know, the the, the mannequins coming to life is just really not helpful for children for bedtime. So they they know I'm, that I'm into it. And I think they, they've got some interest, but they're still very much into all their own things at the moment and the games. and Get, get, get them on the, the, the 60th one and the... Hundredth one this, this Yeah. Is it gonna be in the cinema? Don't know. I haven't heard about it. Because I loved going like when was it the fiftieth we went to? It was the fiftieth we one was. So yeah, yeah the sixtieth yeah. might. Yes, Joe and I went to the fiftieth. We oh, went together. Fab, wasn't and it? Did we go and see the first Paldi episode as well? I mm-hmm. don't think I did. Was in the cinema? I didn't even know that was in the cinema. Yeah, deep breath, I'm sure was in the cinema. I don't know. Um, I didn't go to that, but definitely the 50th. And it was really exciting going along with everybody else who's all had random random clues that they might have been Doctor Who fans, which was very subtle indeed, obviously. We were strict with the aircraft when it was broadcast. So we, a group of people, I was quite surprised. I, you know, out of the 30-odd people that would have been part of the There must have been about half a dozen of us went to see it in air. And I was really looking forward to it. And then it was one of these tiny little top floor of an old cinema that's been on <laughs> that bigger screen. It's a bit disappointing. Maybe we should have gone to Glasgow a bit farther away. But it was it was nice to see it on the big screen and, and with a group of people that you knew as well. Because yeah, it, it's not something I'd ever done before. Go to see Doctor Who in the t- in the cinema. I I remembered when Tom Baker appeared in half cinema. Oh, cheered. Yeah. Cheer, and then, they all cheered, and then there was Capaldi. a few tears, and then then the attack eyebrows appeared, and then... <laughs> yeah, when Peter Capaldi turned up for he it was like, like thirteen. It was that was a nice it was a nice kind of moment to be a fan. Yeah, because you were surrounded by a full cinema full of other fans, and it just felt and they yeah, they hadn't had the chance to start moaning yet, which I thought was no, risky. and you know what. I still really rate the 50th episode. I think it's a great episode of Doctor Who. I think yeah. it's one of the great of the since it came back. It just feels perfect. Yeah, I thought it was it fab. Well, I watched Rose again on the iPlayer because I had I think I might have seen it once since it was broadcast, but because it's it's kind of a similar story to the this the, the first part of the episodes and it's this era. I thought I'm gonna watch it just to I've watched uh, Be Ahead from Space in a while, but uh, I thought I'd watch Rose and then. What did you think of the actual story then? We loved how it was put together. You you know, we loved the formatting and the sound. Did you enjoy the story? Yes. It was very quiet. No, it was total crap. I've just wasted my whole time. No, it was, it was a good story. It was, it was a clear story. I did like I did like Jamie actually, because I don't know a huge amount about him. So I was quite nice hearing a lot more of him and uh, his interplay with the other doctor, not his doctor, which is quite good, giving him into trouble. I like that. Or not giving him into trouble, but challenging him, making sure he was the proper one, which I liked. I wasn't sure whether the the referral to, well, actually it's doctor for the, the ladies was really quite necessary, but it was, it was again, it was fine. And yeah, I think it's not a huge amount. I could say yes. Story <laughs> was good. It was exciting, and I could follow it at least, which is which was nice. Yeah, it was. It was a, a I guess you would say a reasonably linear story, wasn't it? It wasn't too much complicated in there, and you know, two different alien races, which were, were you know obviously different by the descriptions that people gave of them—the smell and the slime of the one side, and then the the, the human shape of the other. I don't think we ever found out if that was 
they were you know humans in their normal form if if they looked different but uh, and the voices obviously were treated differently for the, the slimy creatures so so that was good it, it, it kind of wrapped up a bit how would i describe it well I, it, it wasn't rushed it, it it was a bit of a battle at the end wasn't there you know it was a bit i was a bit surprised the doctor seemed to be keen to go down and join battle to help the brigadier survive with a, an alien gun which maybe partly did but then i don't know i can't really i guess if there was a doctor who was going to run off with a gun and do something it was probably part to be more yeah than but in that era he also uh, in the very uh, second episode the second story there's the silurians he chastised the brigadier for blowing up where they all, all the Silurians lived, didn't he? So, but yeah, I was trying to think if I mean he, he destroyed the nesting consciousness in the in the spirit of space, didn't he? Sort he, of gun type thing. I don't think it was a gun, but it was. It was. I think he mentioned the Silurians in this. I think he makes some kind of dig mm. towards the Brigadier about the Silurians, which means it must be set after that. Yeah, I wasn't sure, you know, when it was set, but then, you know, there weren't many episodes that have it sat between anyway, really. So it doesn't really matter, I guess. It's obviously not right at the start. He's got his TARDIS console back in the TARDIS, but so it's after, or is it after? I don't know. It could be after Inferno, I guess, because the console was outside the TARDIS and Inferno, from what I remember. You didn't really see anything with the TARDIS apart from falling out of it and spearhead from space. But Silurians, I don't think the TARDIS appears at all. And Ambassadors of Death, can't remember that involved. I don't think it really does. So maybe it's after Inferno. And certainly there's a uh, there's a uh, one of the other Third Doctor adventures in, is uh, a follow-on to Inferno, isn't it? So maybe they're all after Inferno, but before the second series, Terror of the Autumn, when Joe appears. Not that it matters. Obviously, the Doctor and Liz have been working together for a while, and uh, you know they're a, an equal scientific match, if you like. And she's not a Dolly Bird assistant, as I think it's the DCI describes her. Um, so there's nice little touches with some of the bits like that. Jamie oh. and his when they're talking about the uh, transmat, he goes, "Oh, is that like the Cybermen oh, stuff like this?" So there was a nice lot of homages uh, to or links back to to you know stuff from the series in a in a, a nicely done way, just a an offhand way rather than labelled. So. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think that, you know, it ticked lots of boxes. That made me feel like a little kid again. As we've discussed a bit, the, Michael Troughton came in playing his father in after the end, I think, the third episode. So I think we had three episodes without re- with just the hint that there might be something strange going on mm. with the second Doctor. And then he actually comes into it properly in the in the third, I, at the end of the third. I thought that worked quite well because I think a lot of these seven-part stories, they do have a twist partway through, what, halfway through third or fourth episode just to sort of keep the interest up, I guess, as much as anything. So so that worked quite well. I, I'm not sure how well it would have worked. Cause he, one thing they didn't do was have a bickering contest like they do in the third Doctors. They didn't, they, they didn't kind of repeat that uh, sort of thing or not nearly in, in the same, which I thought was good because that would have just been a... A bit cheap to, to kind of redo that with different wars and different people doing the acting but they you know they mixed up the, the companions and the doctors and stuff and, uh, and that went well because you know this was them meeting each other and working out who was who and and and, and you know the doctor recognizing that jamie was older and not understanding how that could be because he obviously didn't remember jamie that old because this is obviously in a, in a parallel timeline or whatever where the second doctor and jamie are now in or a later timeline that's been wiped from um, Perry Third Doctor's memory. So, yeah, it was uh, nice. Yes, I think I think they're always very careful about doing multi-doctor stories and how they do them because everybody loves a multi-doctor story, but it's probably really easy to do them too often. So I think they try their best to keep them to a sort of minimum. But it felt because there wasn't an awful lot of the doctors together. 
in that they, they were obviously there, but quite far apart from most of it. I think that that worked a lot better than if they'd been with each other the whole time. Yeah, I think so. I think it's it's only right at the end of the last, second last episode, the sixth episode, that they actually get together once they're down in the underneath the, the concrete plug or whatever it was that's uh, uh, linking out to where the uh, emanator is in a sunken ship that's been by something. It's all got a bit weird at that point, but. And then, yeah, the second Doctor gets shot by the Brigadier. I was about to say, yeah, I mean, that, that was a... I, th- I really enjoyed Jamie's action to that. And I loved the fact the Brigadier was just like, I, I couldn't have done that. And then Jamie's like, well, yeah, did. Jamie way to do it, though. <laughs> I thought, yeah, I thought Jamie, obviously, being the original actor, was, was spot on as well. well but, yeah, he's obviously doing the lines somebody else has written for him, so they're well written as well as the, the performance. But, yeah, it was, it was good all round. I mean, I think it would be... You know, all the, the regulars and all the uh, supporting cast did a really good job. It was uh, definitely the hot one out of my five so far. That it's interesting because there's a lot of sort of classic Who fans who don't like the recasts. They don't like the idea of them recasting characters. And I understand that. And for a long time, Big Finish didn't want to do recasts. What they did do was they'd have, because Fraser Hines does quite a good Patrick Trout impression, so they'd have him doing it or they would have Peter Purvis doing the first Doctor. They they got around them a little bit that way, and then eventually they they did the recast. And I, on the whole, have no problem with the recast as long as the stories work. I think Um, as long as they're recognisably that Doctor and recognisably that Doctor all the way through it, and they don't chop and change the way they're they're doing the voice or whatever. I I think if it doesn't take you out of the story, because at one point they're quite recognisable as whichever Doctor it is, but then in the next scene... The voice is a bit different, maybe because it's been recorded on a different day or whatever. Then I, I think I don't I don't like it if it, if it pulls you out of it, which I think was the problem with the well the problem with the masters was it pulled you out because you couldn't work out which master was which, and you were, you spent too much time trying to work out well which master is this. Certainly in the in the first couple of parts of it, because they haven't split people up and partnered them with different people. There's just a bunch of masters. But yeah, cause I, sorry, <laughs> I was I was thinking Doug was about to get quite swearing there. Bunch of masters. Bunch of masters. <laughs> Love it. Is that the quote for this episode? That's just... that might, well, I mean, that should have been the title for the Master for one. <laughs> I haven't got a quote for this one yet. The last the last one is, oh, I can't remember what it is, but it, it was something at the time we said this is going to be the quote. Oh, no, it's Man is a bad, a ba- Bag of Badgers. Bag of Badgers, for, yeah. Uh, it's the title for the for Jubilee. But no, I think I, yeah, I don't have a problem with that. It's interesting. They've just recast and redone done some recordings with a new guy playing the first Doctor. And at the moment, from what I've heard of him, I don't get it. It doesn't work for me, but I'm going to give it a listen because I could totally see that if he works and he's consistent and it gets into the story, I won't have as much of a problem. Yeah, well, I think, I think yeah, I've not heard, I don't think I've heard Peter Powers or Jamie do their Doctors, but I, I know that I've heard or read that Jamie does a really good version and I think Peter Powers does a good version of, uh, of William Hartnell as well, so... Yeah, I would have probably chosen one of those if I'd gone for just an individual doctor story, and probably will do for you know whichever my next choice is. I'll have a think and uh, save Tom Baker for last or something. Recast for me, in principle, because as long as it doesn't take you out of the story, I'm pretty easy ozy with with recasts. I think when I was younger, if that was the sort of thing that was happening to characters that I loved, I might have struggled a bit. But I think perhaps maybe just that I'm old now. I've got a question for then, Joe. If you've you're not that familiar with the third Doctor or Jamie or the second Doctor, I'm guessing. Is that true? That's true. Yeah, so you, you wouldn't know how good or bad they were compared to they or not, how yeah. close or how not close they were, how we could put it. 
But did you find that they were quite good all the way through? As in, you know, yeah, you could easily tell it was the same doctor. Yeah, and, well, and exactly. Yeah, I could tell which one was which quite easily. And I think from that point of view, that certainly for me, who's very easily pleased in this space, I, d I didn't find any trouble with that. And I felt that they seemed doctory enough in their in their own right without me worrying about it. It didn't it didn't clash with my senses or anything like that. But then because I have nothing to play off of, maybe that's maybe that's why. I don't know. Yeah. So you probably didn't notice the second doctor well in the same way that I did, the slight variation from what was the second doctor quite close to what was more the actor. I don't think I would have, I didn't yeah. pick that up. And I think that's probably because I was just not familiar at all with the, the, the real one, so yeah. to speak. I think, I think there was definitely, I, I really liked Junior Trout. I really liked Michael Trout in the role. And I thought he did do a pretty good job, but I think it wasn't exact. And I think it is that desire to maybe put himself into it. But, you know, it didn't take me out. It worked fine. It was one of those things where it, it wasn't didn't need to be exact to do the job and i think the fact that michael trout obviously has got a long-term friendship with fraser high added something to that that you might not have got with two other actors yeah no, i mean it didn't take me out of it but it was just the odd the odd sentence or few sentences every now and again would be slightly different and yeah it didn't take it out because it was still similar to his version of you know his better or his more close version of his father but yeah i would you know I, it's not an issue at all. I, I'd certainly be interested to hear a story where it's just him as the doctor and not another doctor as well. And, and so you've got more focus on on the doctor and, and Jamie, presumably. Or, uh, or you, know, you said Jamie's not in the one that's currently He's in. not in the first one. Yeah. It's called, I think it's called Beyond War Games, I think. Yeah, called. yeah. Well, that's yeah. why I thought it was obviously somewhere in the in that netherworld between the two the two doctors. And I think I think he'll get better as well. I think this is his kind of first foray into it, and he'll get a bit more consistent as he works out how to play the character. Yeah. Because I think that's the thing. He's playing the character. He's kind of almost learning the character as he goes along, and finding out what rhythms work for him. So you'll get you'll get better, and he started strong. So I'm I'm looking forward to the hearing hearing his his next one. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I, I you know as these I, I think in one of the, the interviews they said that the cast didn't all do it together, you know, trying to get all the, the cast together at the same time. So, you know, different people were reading to production team people, I think it was, uh, who were reading the other person's lines, but they were editing together performances for different times, went together to make a, you know, a, a conversation, if you like. And uh, you know, presumably they were also recorded over more than one day and maybe even, you know, weeks apart. So part of the difference might just be as, as much different day before or after he's had his coffee or whatever. But I mean, none of that really distracted me from it. It was, of all of the, the, the voices, it was the one that wasn't quite consistent all the way through. But it certainly, you know, it was certainly very good. And I've got no no issues listening to it again. It didn't bring, bring me the slightest bit out of the story. It was just one of these things that you just thought, oh, that's just not quite the same as how he said the previous line or whatever. I think, I think it's just something that he'll get down with doing a couple of them. I think he'll be absolutely spot on. I think and Cole Shaw is obviously a great talent to have involved in Big Finish for things like this because he does do such a good, such yeah. a good brigadier. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, it was, yeah, it was yeah. It was, couldn't fault it. Couldn't fault the brigadier. That was that was the highlight probably of the whole thing was the brigadier <laughs> coming back to life. I'm sure John Culshaw will be very pleased at that. Because I well, yeah, because I, I've obviously heard the, the Dead Ringers, Tom Baker, and that varies over the you know the performances as well a bit. And sometimes he's spot on Tom, and other times you think, well, that's not quite Tom. 
But yeah, Brigadier, this is four or seven episodes consistently. And you know, maybe that's it. It's one period rather than over multiple weeks or months. Then it's, it's spot on. So I was the next sort of thought I had, or the next question I had written down is, would it encourage you to watch or listen to other Third Doctor adventures? And Doug's pretty much answered that one for Never, never again. Yeah, I, I couldn't tell whether Doug was particularly enamoured or not. I think, you know, he maybe needs to, to get off that fence. To, uh, yeah. There needs to be a bit more gushy. I think, I think you need to really emote. It's like well, I, mean, I, 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 was, I, I was surprised how much I enjoyed it, but I, I don't know, maybe halfway into the first episode, I had a smile on my face. Once, <laughs> once I'd got used to the different people doing the, the voices, which, you know, wasn't really an issue at all, but once you got into the rhythm of the story and the sound effects and it all just came together, it just, it, you know, what can I say? It was a sunny day. That made a difference as well, probably. But yeah. So would it encourage you, Joe, to go and watch a third Doctor? I mean, I don't think you need much encouragement, to be fair, to go and watch Doctor Who. But No, I don't, I don't need a huge amount of arm twisting. But I do tend to, you know, if it's me on my own, I do tend to stick with the new Who if I'm going to rewatch or something. But I have been tempted to to do a bit of delving again time's always an issue right now but i have thought about doing the full the full rewatch or watch in my case but then it worries me that there are are missing episodes from old who or classic who if you will uh, that's something i want to do is watch because i've i've sort of picked over the years because they obviously didn't come out on dvd in the order that they they were mm. broadcast and you know they've, they've, there's missing stories and some of appeared during the time so i've basically i, I guess i've watched the pertwee and baker ones mostly and then some of the other ones because those are the ones that i've got the best memories from or the, you know the fondest memories of and but I, I would like to go through and watch them all from the start and there are there are photo recons of them all with different audio from or audio right. with or without commentaries i think if you, if you can find them there's audio for every single episode of Doctor Who ever. Oh, so fab. Okay. Even the ones that are missing, you could listen to. You won't get the full experience. But there are some that are animated now. So, yes, I would. I have been, having done all our, our podcasts so far, I have been started to, to attempt to do that kind of, the, the trek through all of it. But when I might manage to do that. And are they, are they all on BritBox now? Is that right? So, it might well be a Christmas present to myself to to do a Brit box for a bit and actually, and, and do that. Cause I think I, I would like to see that. Cause I mean, you can see like Doug's amount of joy that is emanating from Doug is a sort of a glow about him remembering all of that. And it's good. It's going to be different for me. I'm not four and a half when I'm watching them, but I think I, I you know, I want to, I want to learn a bit more. So yeah, I've kind of teased to go and see a bit more of these doctors. Doug's usually the one of us who's most difficult to please, you know, and there he is, just straight away, it's like, boom. It's a winner. It's a winner. It's a... So I watched it call this as soon as we listened to it, because I would, if we recorded it on the day I'd listened to it, I'd be even more positive. Oh, correct. It's, he's taken, it's because Chris isn't here, he's taking Chris's job tonight. That's, yeah. He hasn't said as many stupid things, but he's taking, <laughs> in general, he's taking Chris. I would have got one of entries if Chris had been. I know, but Chris usually comes up with the titles. See, that's, that's um, the thing. We haven't got a title. I can't think of one. It's I just all too good. <laughs> like I don't know. I think Doug's Doug's done two titles. Well, have you? I think good. Two titles. I think I think they're tied for the title. Oh, you and me, Joe. Yeah. We don't need to. I'm not good at cool. naming things. Remember, basically, I've got the new song, which is pretty much still the new song, or the other new song. That's like how how it works for me. So the titles aren't always great. 
what moments that made you laugh then, Doug? You obviously very much enjoyed it. And there was a certain amount of, of comedy in it. Well, I've mentioned a couple of the Dolly Bird comment on what the other one was that I mentioned. I don't know. I, I just did a... I just enjoyed it. I didn't. The bits, I probably were bits I laughed at, but the whole thing it was enjoyable. Not laugh out loud enjoyable, but smile on face for however long it is, two hours, and uh, can't ask more than that for a story. You know, if anybody's thinking about should I give a a story without John Pertwee playing John Pertwee and without Patrick playing the second Doctor, then give this one a go. What a world. Yeah. What we. So sort of going off of, of the, sh- the story a bit then, because I think we can face safely say Doug likes it. What, what? <laughs> he can't tell. It's difficult to, isn't it? You Don't really expect is. this it's level really... of glee every episode, folks. <laughs> I, sus- I suspect this is our short-lived thing. Anyone who's listening to this is going, I don't know who this Doug bloke is that they've got in this week. <laughs> but he's so- Doug's evil clone, is it? Or Doug's happy clone. <laughs> yeah. I did like the for for the mom, funny moments. I mentioned them earlier. This the the transmat was that was was a good. <laughs> throw away and i'm not sure it was meant to be funny but that there were the, the brigadiers going oh she's set some sort of hex on me just didn't seem quite it wasn't contiguous or commensurate i can't think of the right word it didn't quite align with the time that i expected it to be in so it sounded like modern language that wasn't quite supposed to be there if you know what i mean I, it was it amused me to hear it so anyway that was my funny moment i enjoyed that i Enjoyed the brigadier's reaction to being hypnotized every time he got hypnotized. Yeah, he was just like what, what, no, <laughs> me more than once. Not time, not time. The whole, oh, I was only joking. I didn't. I wasn't really hypnotized. No, I'm unhypnotizable. It felt quite brigadierish. That yeah. you could laugh at quite a lot of the brigadier's lines, really, couldn't you? Whether they're meant to be funny or not. Yeah, <laughs> and I think I think one of the final lines is, "Should we go and get a drink as well?" Which felt very much a takeoff of the yeah. line at the end of the demons which is pretty much would you like a dance brigadier i'd rather have a pint <laughs> which <laughs> yeah. i think was actually nicholas courtney's line and not i don't think that was scripted i think that was nick courtney's actual line yeah, nice. that he just came up with <laughs> so what were your doug this is maybe more to you and me i guess but because i don't know if joe have many i'll ask the i'll ask the question stuart then so what are your favorite episodes my favorite second or third doctor episodes. Ooh. The Damons is my favorite third doctor episode because I just love it. I've seen it probably more times than any other episode that he's done, except maybe Spearhead from Space because my other half is a huge fan of Spearhead from Space. So we've watched that quite a few times. And my favorite second doctor episode is, I guess, a slightly controversial one because of it's got some not so politically correct casting, I guess, is. Tomb of the Cybermen, but I just really love it as an episode. There are just some lovely moments in it. There's a little moment where the Doctor and Jamie suddenly realise they're holding hands as they're walking in somewhere. It's just that look of they try and detangle themselves. There's just some lovely little sort of moments with them. And I think there's a really nice chat with the Doctor has with Victoria where he talks about his family, which is something that just doesn't happen. And it's got some of the best Cybermen. What about you, Doug? Well, you've covered some of the ones I would say. I'll have to think of some different ones now. I would certainly <laughs> recommend that Joe watches Spearhead from Space if she's just watched Rose. She gets the chance. It's okay. the only one that was ever done on film in the original series. Okay, then it's uh, better quality than it. So it was the first one I remember seeing. Any real memories of Doctor Who, as I've probably mentioned in previous podcasts. And I think I've kind of covered my favourite episodes in a previous episode as well but sea devils great episode uh, i'd forgotten about the demons when we uh, when you asked me that question before it's another cracker claws of axos inferno's good it's another inferno's another one from this season seven it's where the uh, parallel universe i can't remember how you describe it but it's 
they all uh, it's the reverse cells so it's a more militaristic fascist type organization there uh, whatever they call the unit version there and it's, it, it gives the well that, i think that's you know, we're talking about you know the second doctor appearing partway through and the change of, uh, of pace and the, the extra twists in it well that's what happens i think in about episode three or four of uh, inferno you you get that in there so that's that's a nice twist it moves it moves from a story about drilling and the the sort of weird alien goo that's turning people into kind of werewolves into a complete parallel universe story it feels like it's two stories and i'm guessing it might well be two stories that are being sort of bolted together to make one yeah. longer story and i think it's inferno's viewed as a bit of a classic i mean most of the ones on that series are viewed as kind of classic episodes they're from space yes yeah, so my uh, the silurians and the bastards of death is the one i i know least because i I've only, I don't remember anything about it at the time. And I think I've only watched it once on DVD a couple of years ago because I, I didn't, I, I, I bought a whole bunch of them over the years and then I stopped for a while. Then I completed my collection in the, over the last couple of years of, of the DVDs. Now, of course, they're bringing out blue and Blu-ray. So I'm going to have to buy them again because of all the extras and the, the better quality, uh, some or all of them. And I, I think hopefully this season is going to benefit more from that because it seems it was an American, I think it was colourful and American beyond um, NTSC over a black and white film so there's probably what they could do now with software to, to improve the picture there i think the ambassador of death might be the same i think it's now in color it was only black and white for a long time i think the vhs of both of those might have been black and white i can't remember it's so long ago that i would have had those and the minor veal is another one that i haven't seen i haven't seen in a long time and only watched in the last uh, year or two um, i wouldn't say it's a favorite one i would say maybe the green death plant the spiders in the last season with sarah jane Time Warrior in there. There was some good episodes. Invasion of the Dinosaurs. Apart from well, the dinosaurs. yeah, it's maybe a little bit long. It, it is really let down by the, uh, as the production team at the, the time knew but couldn't do anything about, the, the rubber dinosaurs, which looked like toy dinosaurs, really. And the CSO didn't help much. I think if they, I don't think they've released that series, that season on Blu-ray yet, but I think it would benefit from CGI dinosaurs replacing the rubber ones. As I think some of these box sets, they want to do stuff like that, or one story where they do stuff like that, and that would be the one for me that they, of all of the pet viewer, that they, that would benefit most from. Not that it's as bad as it could have been, but it, you know, it is obviously like a bloke with it holding the tail of it moving it in some places and stuff. But other bits were done okay, and I, I can't remember. I, I think the first episode is still black and white on the DVD. I don't think they colorized it, have they? Can't remember, but there's some good episodes within the in part three. What about your favourite Troughton? Yeah, I don't know. There's a lot of them missing. That's one thing. I'm just having a look at the list of names now and working out which ones I've I've not seen. So there's some of them just don't exist at all. Some of them have been recreated, as you said, about in animation. And I, my earliest memory of Doctor Who, I think, is a Patrick Troughton, and and I think it must have been Jamie and wasn't Victoria. Who was it? No, Victoria wasn't the last season, wasn't she? Yeah. So running along in a quarry, a gravel pit, or a, you know, I think it must have been the the uh, the last story they did the war games in it, you know, in trenches or something. But it's that's the briefest memory I have of them, and that I'm the earliest memory. But I couldn't tell you which story it was. I'm assuming it was the war games because it was long and it was the last one, and I'd have been presumably just about four by that point, which is where I start remembering things. I don't know, Ice Warriors maybe, but it's. It's a bit over episoded. The Moon Base was quite a good story when I watched that more recently. The Web of Fear, I remember that was a really cracking target novel, which would be the first time I knew the story other than 
synopsis in the 10th anniversary magazine special. But it would have been the first time I knew anything about it. I don't think I think it came out before the book came out. The Abominable Snowman, which we said is is, is out this week. That again is maybe a little bit long. I, I, I I'm keen to watch it, buy it, and watch it and see what it looks like because I think there's only one episode remaining of the original recorded um, episodes with video or with film compared to video now. So yeah, I guess there, I mean there's some clunkers like the Crotons in there, which are Quite far from the best. I actually started watching the War Games again a few months ago. I didn't actually get to the end of it, but that was that was quite good. Even though it was, you know, kind of a little bit samey each each episode, it was sort of different group of battle, a different time period of baddie, or not baddies, but people were having fights at the end or whatever. A bit repetitive, maybe, but it was it was better than I remember because I remember I think I much watched it on VHS in one go. Right, uh, I think I watched it with that friend of mine who suggested the Annihilator, of Dougie uh, Macbeth. So I remember that being a struggle, but that was 10 episodes. So that, you know, we just listened to seven. And they, that wasn't a struggle, but 10 episodes of The Walk Kings in one go was a struggle. I think, uh, I think The Mind Robber. The Mind Robber's a good one, actually. Yeah, yeah. And the fiction, that's a good Well, my favourite third Doctor was The Annihilators, and my favourite second Doctor was The Annihilators. Was it The Annihilators? It was. Yeah. It weird that. To be fair, I think it's one of Dougie. It's now one, one of Doug's favourite. Also, so. I've now, now listened to it three times. Once in the garden, <laughs> once while taking notes, which I never had a chance to go through and highlight the bits about the funny moments and things that we'll be talking about, what we did talk about, and I haven't highlighted them. And then again in the car and the last few journeys to and from work, just to have listened to it on audio again uh, all the way through. So I didn't quite get to the last end of the last episode of the, before the I got back here tonight, but I got through pretty much all of it in the last few Johnny's homes. So yeah, it's, it's I mean, good, yeah. I think in conclusion, then, we can say that this one, Doug has chosen a successful one for his his choice. Well, yeah, it was good to be pointed towards this one because it made looking at the other options something that was a comparison to this one. And I wanted to avoid another Joe Grant and the Third Doctor story because that would kind of a bit too, too soon to do. So it was either this or, or, uh, or Liz, Liz Shaw or our same one if we did the Third Doctor. But this one ticked the second Doctor and another companion box, and it wasn't a Dalek story or uh, any recognisable monster story. So it was it was good in that way, yeah. And then two different alien species with a, you know, I guess that was the the downside of the plot, and it was a little bit one's one's out to one's one of the goodies and one of the baddies at the end. But you know that's what happens. You know, if you've got two sets of aliens, that's probably going to be the end outcome. That was the surprise that you weren't expecting. Well. I guess that's it for for now. So I know. I guess that's it for now. For now, by the time next week, someone will have found Chris's body, and we can move on. Yes, to- <laughs> he's too interested but in his uh, his. Posted on Facebook. Yes, that's I all I'm that. saying. Yes, I did spot that myself also, but that does mean that I was looking at Facebook while recording this. So, are we as bad as each other? No, because we were present. No, because we're here. We're here. We're here, and we listened to it in advance. Half and the battle is up turning up, and we're here. Exactly. <laughs> it's a poor excuse. Oh, Chris. Chris. Chris will be doing lines. But by the next time we do a podcast, I want to see Chris written down. I will listen to the Annihilators ahead of the podcast <laughs> and turn up for the podcast. <laughs> he could have turned up and just said things, and we could That's have... That's what I've done, Doug. I have no idea <laughs> what we've been talking about all this space. <laughs> Joe's never listened to the Annihilators. I don't even no know idea. who Doctor Who is. I've just been winging it this entire time. And now on to our choice for next time, Spare Prats, and we're going to have a very special guest. We've got the author from the Wilderness Years, Paul Beardsley, who will be making his choice. And Paul, what is your choice? Hi. Well, I'd like to 
go for is Time Works by Steve Lyons. Ah, and Eighth Doctor, Carers and Charlie. It'll be an interesting one. Yes, the one. You want to know about the Clockwork Men? You will know about them soon enough. We work in their shadow, every tick and tock of our lives. We hear them in the workings of the great clock. Tick, tock, tick, tock. We work hard, turn our hands, but in time we all wind down. And that's when they come for us. It would be extremely unwise of you to attempt to run. Do you think so? I think that rather depends on the alternative. The alternative is that you will be taken to the castle and questioned to ascertain if the allegations laid against you are true. Hello, you said the Doctor went back in time. Now, if we could find out how, we could do the same. We could warn him. No, it doesn't work like that. The Doctor's always saying so. We can't change the past. But that doesn't make sense. There has to be a way to make... There isn't. It's happened, Keris, and we have to accept that fact. But there must be something we can do in the present. Some way to make a difference. Then I fear, Zanith, that our work has been nothing. We will suffer the fate of the old world. Our time will be over. Charlie. We are building a world for our children. I will not have children, Revnon. The clockwork men have seen to that. Is this about the phone call? What makes you say that? I know you, Vanit. I know when you're hiding something. It was the clock stopper, wasn't it? This doctor. You've been wasting your time with him. My name is Collis. My function is Senior Administration Coordinator, Stroke Trend Analyst, Statistical Processing Division. The clockwork men have brought you here because your function is unknown. According to procedure, your cases will be referred to the figurehead. However, I should warn you that, at present, we have no posts to fill. How did you escape my dungeon? It's a habit of mine, I'm afraid. And now you are trespassing in my throne room. It is not easy to impose efficiency upon beings who are, by their nature, weak and inefficient. As they improve their quality of life, so too do they grow more tempted to enjoy that life at the expense of further progress. I've seen your future, Zanith, whether you believe me or not. What an interesting coincidence, Doctor, because I can see your future too. Let me tell you about it. The clockwork men come for us when we can no longer keep time. When our time is up. Well, thank you for listening to this podcast. And if you've enjoyed it, please hit subscribe and we shall be back soon.